Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the hosts of True Crime Binge, Mr. Bob Ruff. Hello. These lights are pretty awesome. <laughs> or, or how many of you are out there? <laughs> Thank you guys for uh, deciding to check out True Crime Binge for your first event of CrimeCon. Uh, I really appreciate it. For those of you that don't know, True Crime Binge is a new podcast. I am also the host of Truth and Justice. Thank you. Uh, True Crime Binge was born in the midst of the pandemic when uh, tr Truth and Justice really hit a brick wall, as did many podcasts, because the world shut down. We couldn't travel. We couldn't interview people. Uh, for me, I couldn't get boots on the ground and investigate cases. I couldn't get open records. And so as myself, as I was struggling to figure out how to navigate this new world we were living in, I knew that other podcasters were having the same issue. And so season nine of Truth and Justice, I thought what I'm going to do is every week invite another true crime podcaster onto the show help promote their show, get to know each other, let the audience of their show get to know them a little more personally, and then also introduce them to new, a new audience. So when we did it, actually, truth, the Truth and Justice audience loved it so much that we decided once the world started turning again to shift this off and split off into a new podcast called True Crime Binge, and that's exactly what we do every week, is try to introduce you to a new True Crime Binge, and if you're already a true crime binger, to introduce you to the kind of personal lives and really get to know the hosts of the shows that you already know and love. And so with that being said, for this first ever live true crime binge, I wanted to invite on a, a group of guys that I've had a little rivalry with over the years at CrimeCon. You suck. <laughs> Uh, but these are two, two of my best friends in the business. A lot of you know and love them. But just in case you don't, I want to introduce you guys to my guest for today's episode, the hosts and creators of the True Crime Garage podcast, the one and only Nick and the Captain. The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. Thanks for being a little late and almost giving me a heart attack, you know, before we got started in true fashion. So before we, before we came out here, uh, we, we all have to hear a little behind-the-scenes info. True Crime Binge is about all the behind-the-scenes stuff, right? Is we have to meet in another room on a different floor and get microphones and get everything organized. And I've been texting uh, the captain for, for days about this uh, with no response. I'm very busy. <laughs> Busy person, Bob. And so finally I call him with minutes to go, and he answers the phone, and I can't hear him. And as I'm yelling, Captain! Captain! The elevator door's open, and in walks the captain on his phone saying, Bob! Bob! <laughs> uh, and then uh, I, I want to introduce you guys to somebody else, someone who, who's behind the scenes, uh, has been very supportive throughout my entire journey and career as a podcaster, uh, always there to help me out. Um, right over here in the front row, if she could stand up real quick, she's adorable. This is my wife, Becky Ruff. Becky, if you could just stand up and give them a wave. Tomorrow's her birthday. She's, she's going to be 20, 29 again. She's not oh, 21. Let's 21. not get silly about it. Let's um, try to help you out here. <laughs> but you know, as, as she's, does Nick have notes in the goddamn computer? Yeah. Like, why are you more prepared than me? 
<laughs> nice little yellow pad. I yellow, this is what I got. I bought. Did you I write anything in with a computer? <laughs> uh, right after I meet the captain in the elevator, and I tell him, "You need to, you need to hurry up. You got to, we got to be down there in ten minutes, and I need to take a quick shower and get dressed." And he says, "Okay, I'm going to do the same." And then I go to my room, and uh, the man that introduced me also could stand up and give a little wave. That's Mr. Zach Weaver. He's the co-host of our Friday follow-up episodes. So Zach and his wife, Michelle, and myself and my wife have adjoining rooms, which I did not do on purpose. I wanted to be as far away from them as possible for the event. Uh, So as I rush into the room, dripping in sweat, still wearing workout clothes, with 10 minutes to go before I need to get mic'd up, I find my adorable, beautiful, lovely, supportive wife Mm. sitting in Zach and Michelle's room with Michelle, uh, just looking adorable, you know? Mm. And uh, I said, where's the key to our room? And she said, it's in our room. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm telling you that to tell you this. As the no, day you're goes, not getting laid tonight. <laughs> <laughs> as, the, as the day goes on today, there's going to be moments where I'm probably going to meet some of you and take pictures with you, and there's going to be a smell. Yeah. <laughs> it's pungent. <laughs> it stings the, the nostrils. <laughs> and I just want you to know that that smell is her fucking fault. No. <laughs> Now, uh, one thing that's been buzzing around the CrimeCon community and uh, social media over the last several days is the last time that we all met together in New Orleans, uh, there was a a challenge thrown down between myself and the captain. Nick tends to be the responsible adult in the room in most cases. That's not true. He outdrank both of us. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where things got thrown off. So it was, it was, it was who could outdrink who that night. And Nick very quietly speaks softly, carries a big stick, yeah. uh, put everybody under the table. Show them your stick. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> how people get canceled. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, tell them what happened. Tell them what you did. What happened was, I we went out. We had a great time. We had a nice fan meetup. Met a lot of you. Had a lot of drinks. Uh, at the end of the night, went back. I never stopped. I went all the way through the morning. And then the next morning, we get to Podcast Row, and I'm standing there with my Bloody Mary, much like I am right now. This and, is not the story. And the captain comes crawling in wearing sunglasses, looking like he's been beat to death well. with nothing but a water, like he's got, just like right now. So we know who won that contest. No, no, no. What happened was, at like 2 in the morning, you came up and said, I'm going back to the hotel. And you shook my hand and you left the bar. <laughs> and I stayed there drinking with Aaron from Generation Y till six in the morning doing Jaeger shots. And you were nowhere to be found. <laughs> Pixar, it didn't happen. Ask, well, let's ask Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, you're awful quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could you tell him that I won, please? Uh, Bob. He bowed out gracefully. God damn it. See, you said, you said, I'm going back to the hotel. Right, to you know, keep drinking like a responsible adult. Nobody does Jaeger shots in their 40s. I wasn't in my 40s, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a lot, I've talked to both of you guys. Both have been on True Crime Binge uh, individually one time or another. And, uh, but I've never had you both in the same room. Uh, but I want to I start with that. Can you guys explain how the two of you came to start True Crime Garage, how this became a thing. Because, I mean, I meet you guys, and you're both, I mean, knuckleheads. I don't understand how this happened. That's not true, Bob. He's what? a computer. <laughs> oh, you're the knucklehead. I'm the knucklehead. <laughs> what version of this story are we going to tell today? Yeah, truth or... Whose idea was it? His idea. Okay. And, and he, had a bunch of, he had a bunch of crazy ideas. So we're both laid off at the same time. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we're in his garage drinking. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I got this great idea. Great idea. Let's start a podcast. And I was podcast. like, awesome. <laughs> what do we want to talk about? And he goes, true crime. And I was like, that, that's depressing. Like every week, every week we're going to talk about true crime. Right. And then, but then he's like, and I'm going to have a beer of the week. 
and uh, I'm going to have a catchphrase, uh, be good, be kind, don't litter. Wait, hang on for a second, one second. So the beer of the week, what, how does that part work on your show? I randomly pick a beer. <laughs> so no, it used to be like we would try to pick a beer that was from a city where the case that we were covering. Okay, okay. So there was there was some tie in there, but that got lost pretty quickly. It's also hard to get certain beers at certain. Well, sure, yeah, sure. You, if you cover a case from like Wyoming or Montana, good luck, dude. I was just in Montana. They have so many microbreweries there. All you got to do is drive there five years ago right yeah. and get him and come back. <laughs> right. so what do you do with the beer at the at the beginning of the show you like open the beer yeah just well, get drunk and drink it what do you do a little well we used to <laughs> now now it's more sipping sipping uh, sipping yeah. okay now what's what's bad is when they go i listened to the the show last week and the captain was drunk out of his mind and i'm like i didn't even have a beer that week right, right. <laughs> do you guys review the beers yeah he does yeah. okay um you know I, I thought that might be the case and, and what I thought we should do uh, here, anybody live, have any beer? here live is, since you guys are the experts, at, not yet, sit down, <laughs> is uh, review my favorite beer, um, yes. one I haven't heard on the show done yet. Uh, I'm the connoisseur of cheap beer and expensive whiskey. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Zach Weaver. Yeah. Wait, did you say beaver? Weaver. Oh, I was like, beaver brought us the bush. Okay. You know. I had this all planned out for a very dramatic entrance. <laughs> wherein, wherein Zach would then put a beer in front of everyone, and now this is going to be awkward. But yeah, so, so I don't know if you guys have reviewed this great craft beer here. Um, it, to be honest with you, the Bush Latte is my favorite. Um, but what? Are there any Bush Latte drinkers out there? The Nectar of the Gods? Yeah. Both of you. Got it. Thanks, guys. Uh, but I, but I'd like if maybe we could do a true true crime garage review of Bush because for some reason here in Texas they don't have the the light they only have the the full leaded Bush and of course Bob brings us warm beer <laughs> way to cheap out on us Bob right right well it was cold when I bought it uh, yeah. let's go ahead and crack these sons these bad boys open and uh, let's hear what you guys have to say mm. a lot of body I think you know nodes of Mm, Rainwater like, and smells like NASCAR. <laughs> no. mm. Well, mm. I don't like Bush Light. I do like Bush beer. Uh, okay, so I got a few Bush beer stories. So here we go. Okay, let's hear them. I used to live next to a guy that worked at the Budweiser factory in Columbus, Ohio, and I said to him when he goes, "Why do you like Bush?" I go, "Well, I go, it kind of tastes like somebody took a Budweiser and a Bud Light and dumped <coughs> them together." Yeah. And he goes, that makes sense. Something about the ingredients, the recipe for those two, this kind of falls in that same, okay. you know, if you were to mix two of them together. But this, I started drinking Bush, well, I shouldn't say how old I was, but. Uh, 21. He was 21. He was, was, he was yes. 12 years old. <laughs> Sitting there with his computer, studying true crime, <laughs> drinking his Bush beer. This used to be our fishing beer. Back in the day, because you could get a thirty, you could get a thirty pack for the, like twelve ninety nine. The dirty thirty, yeah, That's the right. dirty thirty, yeah. And we would drink all thirty of them, right? Of course, and it's not, and still not be drunk by the end of the right. by the end of the day. Well, this is the first bush that's been in my mouth all day. Thirty kids out here. <laughs> if you brought your kids to Crime Con, yeah, I, yeah, I feel we, we can't see any of the, you people. The crime of the weekend, <laughs> right? right. Hey, hey, Johnny! Let's go talk about murder. <laughs> not only bring a, not only bring a kid to CrimeCon, but bring them for to the three of us right. talking. Right. Not smart. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I mean, it's kind of oaky. Sure, oaky. All right, a little oaky. <laughs> they swirled around. Tastes mm. like corn. Maybe a little beady. A little mm. corn. Yeah. Mmm. Mmm. How many, uh, how do you, uh, That's about two and three quarters bottle caps. That's right what I was going to ask for. Two and three quarters <laughs> yeah. bottle caps, right. Yeah. yeah, but at the end of the night, it becomes like a 4.5, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right, yeah. My favorite is when people come up and go, you guys like every beer you have on the show, or they're normally like three point, you know, three and a half to four. I'm like, why would we put a crappy beer on the show? Are you telling me that, that, that Bush wouldn't make the show? With no. With 2.5 bottle caps? Well, you did Miller Lite one time, right? Yeah, thank you. I may now, have. Who said ew? Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, ew. 
It's disgusting. Who drinks Miller Lite? <laughs> she was like, ew. Right, yeah. She, she literally unsubscribed to our podcast Just after that. that day. She's like, ew. You, David. Not listening to these <laughs> stupid guys no more. Do you have enough beer for the whole show? Uh, well, I mean, I, I've got six okay. tall boys. I All made right. sure I got the tall boys, so mm-hmm. yeah. The, the best part about this is I thought this was going to be a little bit, right, where they just rate it, and immediately they're just just uh. hammering the beer. They're just like, thanks, Bob. Let's get, let's get messed Bob, up. Bob, we're just showing you who the champions are. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not true, because when he came up and said, I'm going to bed, I was like, thank God I can't drink anymore. Right. <laughs> right. I was like, my eye now, kept on Now I can quit line. throwing my shots on the floor. Yeah. Right. Nick's holding shoulder. <laughs> Uh, the, the truth of the matter is that uh, you know, there's a lot of factors when you decide who's like outdrank someone, right? Like, did you drink for more hours than me that night? Sure. But did it cause you to act like more of an idiot than me that night? I told you I was hanging out with Aaron from Generation right. Y. I mean, have you ever hung out with that guy? It's like yeah, talking yeah. to a wall. Right. I mean, I feel like we should do a disclaimer, right? We, we, we do not advocate for beer drinking contests, all right? Right. Yes, we do. Well, <laughs> if anybody the, ends up in the hospital, the, it was Bob's The, the fault. adult in the room is, is, is very, very bright here by saying that, and uh, yeah, it was right all now, Captain's idea. Yeah, but right now we're like one bottle cap out of five. After three or four drinks, we're like a three and a half out of five. Sure, you there know? you go. Yeah. So drink up, and we'll look better and sound better. <laughs> so, uh, so Nick says two and a half bottle caps. How many do you give? It's actually really tasty. This it's morning. easy drinking, right? And I don't mind it being kind of warm. I'm going to get. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go 3.5. 3.5. That averages out to uh, three bottle caps. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, full flavor bush, Cheers. three bottle caps yeah. out of five. The funny thing about when you're drinking bush is nobody's jealous that you're drinking and they're not. Mm. <laughs> right. you know? They're like. Yeah. And we should tell Zach they make these things called coolers. Yeah. Right. Come on. <laughs> you put a little ice in it. Yeah. Then you put the beer in it. The, uh, well, we, we, we discovered last night, you know, uh, I do a fair amount of traveling for work and uh, stay at a lot of hotels. Brag. And uh, you can tell that I don't stay in quite the quality of co- hotels is we're in right now. Yeah, it's bougie. Right, yeah. So I, yeah. I, I, I grabbed the Sixer, and I'm like, I'll just throw these in the fridge in the room when you get in there. But uh, hotel like this, there's no fr- – the, the no. fridge is a mini bar. Mm-hmm. You can order a fridge. Can you order a fridge? Yes. Yeah. If you go up to the front Dial counter zero. and you say, I want a fridge, they'll bring you a fridge. And how much do they charge for that? Because the water bottle is $7 in the room. <laughs> so how much does the refrigerator Just tell come? them to put it on CrimeCon's bill. Right, just you – know? They got it. At least in Kevin, they'll take care of the whole thing. Yeah, they'll pay for it all. So you You're guys, a big deal, Bob. That's you know what I found out that I really could have. I should have negotiated a better deal for myself. Mm, yeah. You know, really. If if I just like told them, really? <laughs> you're really? lucky to be here, Bob. You should have. <laughs> yeah. Well, we came in on a private jet. God damn it! You know, you know, I've, they I, served us Bush. <laughs> <laughs> but we got the private jet. So. The private jet, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, apparently all you have to do is just tell them, like, do you know who I am? I tried, do you know, any of you guys noticed that we have brown tablecloths up here? Do you notice that everything else black? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know we have brown tablecloths? Fucking Nancy Grace. <laughs> yep. Why? What, what's wrong with Nancy? <laughs> Remember when we met her? She was so nice. <laughs> yeah, I was on a show with her. Yeah, she said you're handsome. I right? heard her. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> mm. For legal reasons, I can't discuss the show. Um, <laughs> but they, I said I need, t- I need two tables because they were going to give one table for the three of us to sit. And, right. uh, That'd be now, now, that might work with Nick, but uh, no. see Captain. And we're big boys. You see, yeah, you see yeah. me. Like, we'd be sitting shoulder mm. to shoulder. You guys know how to fill out a table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew I was overweight until somebody said, you kind of look like Bob Ruff. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it was a knock on me too. Come on, that cut me so deep, but it's so true. He's gonna. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna win the contest this year. <laughs> God, you ever? I found myself, you know, I, I'm always like, yeah, I'm gonna start working out and get in shape. You ever do that? Doesn't look. 
Yeah. <laughs> Wait for my recording. Let me fix this. Oh, yeah. Do yeah that, cut Captain? out my name. <laughs> do that, Captain. Uh, uh, decide. It doesn't look like it. you ever decide like you're going to try to work out uh, and get in shape? I say that every year at CrimeCon. I say uh, next right. year it's going to be better. I hammered it. I hammered the weights for four days before I came here. Because it show? You're looking... Looking studly. Looking slim, yeah. right? Yeah. Nice traps. Uh, I, I do want to say that June is, is Pride Month, and I want to. And I just want to say, let's all be allies for equality. <laughs> that being said, if anybody saw the nice T-shirt that Zach was wearing when he came up here, that's my T-shirt. I decided to go buy myself a nice Pride shirt to wear, and then realized I was too goddamn fat to wear it. Uh, but that's why it looks so, like a dress on him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Bob. What happens is those moments when you're working out, you know, and, and I do like I'll, like, I'll hit the gym for 20 minutes for the first time in a year. And while I'm down there uh, working out, and then I, I'm like, you start to get a little pump, and you're like, I probably look amazing right now already. <laughs> like, you feel it, and then you, like, go upstairs, and I throw the shirt on, and it looks like this. Like, it just, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I have so many sh- I gave Zach half a wardrobe. I bought 25 shirts. None of them worked. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find a shirt for you, Bob. We'll get you a nice bedspread to wear. You know what? The wristband. <laughs> yeah. Get you a moo-moo. And this is the moment where Nick leaves the show. It was nice having yeah. you, Nick. Right. Right. <laughs> Leave him one and That's more. my time. Thank you. <laughs> and he didn't have to use his computer one yeah. time. Well, all the jokes are right here. Uh-huh. Make fun of Bob's weight. Okay. Right. Did you get that? Was Check. that the third or fourth point Check. on the list? Check. Got it. <laughs> um, so last time I had uh, Nick on the show, we were talking about the Delphi case. We're not going to dig too much into that because there's a lot. There's a lot of that going on. At the- I have a question for you. Okay. Which show got better downloads? Uh, oh, between you and yeah. you. Do you even know? I do. He needs this oh, for for whatever reason. I get. I need this for my weight problem. <laughs> If you say Nick, I'm going to gain another ten pounds. Let him <laughs> by tonight. Let him have this victory. But, uh, Let him. Should have I just, yeah. uh, uh, Captain? No, your show had significantly oh, more downloads. Oh, see, I, I listened to it twelve times. Right. So that was twelve of them right there. Right. Because like ninety percent of our audience does not want me there. <laughs> yeah. You know? Every email, I'm like waiting for one. Like every email is like, I, lo- I love Nick. But this captain guy, he has to go. Right, 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 right. And then the next email, they're like, not a huge fan of Nick, but I'm even less of a fan <laughs> of the captain. I'm like, oh, my it's God. It's like this setup makes you feel like you're going to be the one. Yeah, it's yeah. awful. Yeah, it's pretty. You know, I, you know uh, my wife doesn't listen to my show or any true crime podcasts. She's smart. At all, right. Yeah. I wanted to start that off with she doesn't listen to my show uh, yeah. and also not all the other true crime yeah. uh, podcasts. Well, I did get an email from her one time. She said that she listened to our show. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I was, was going to say is she's asked me about, you know, because she's, uh, as a matter of fact, yesterday when we were, we were texting and we were trying to get together for drinks when you were ignoring Yeah, me when, when and, you were and Maggie with my baby mama. Right. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah. <laughs> you want to explain that? Well, see, well, two years ago, because, see, every crime con, I've gained about 20 pounds. Right. And I bl- blame it on crime, because I think it's the stress. I really do. I think okay. it's the stress I'm of, like, you. every week you're talking about horrible crimes. Makes sense. Yep. And uh, so the last time I ran into Maggie Freeling, she said, you look pregnant. And I said, well, um, you look pregnant. <laughs> and then she said, wouldn't it be funny if we took a picture and we, were say- we said that she was having my baby. Right, right, right. So yeah. we took a picture of that. And then last night, some asshole that's sitting at a brown table <laughs> took a picture with my baby mama. One of the best pictures I've taken in a long time, by the and way. And you the look very handsome. Great like, right? you, you look like I a look 10. I look so much better than you. I don't know. That's what she does. Yeah, right. You know, for some reason, she brings out the beauty and the and the chubbier ones. You know? Right, right, yeah. So yeah. Now, now I hate you. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. Uh, but you should know that during that uh, conversation, um, we were, I was I was telling telling my wife that you know a bunch of the other podcasters I know they're all going to come and we're going to mm. sit down and have drinks and she's like oh you guys are going to be talking about crime stuff all the time like who's coming I'm like Maggie who's that I'm like remember you met her little bitty girl tattoos yeah. like oh yeah I know her uh, all this. I hate her is what she said yeah, and then I said then I said uh, I think I, we're trying to get the captain here and she goes oh 
The captain can sit next to me when he gets here. <laughs> all would, right. All right, all right. She wouldn't let me sit. This is a true story. She wouldn't let me sit next to her because she wanted to leave a seat open for you when, uh, when you got here. Well, I'm... Uh, I've very, seen it a hundred times. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very flattered. And that's it, why she looks 21 and not 29, you son of a bitch. <laughs> You know what I describe when, when you know she's interested in enough in you in the mysteriousness of the of the name and all that and what does he do and I said well he does a, a crime show where uh, his co-host Nick very bright guy does a lot of research and he breaks down a crime and then Captain about every three or four minutes says douche canoe yeah <laughs> and or something about penises <laughs> <you know. laughs> that's, that's and then she said well I I love him I want him yeah. to sit next to me now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that would be the... Well, I'm not even going to say Okay, let's move moving on. Yeah, uh, moving on. Uh, yeah, so um, you guys discuss... Uh, so we, oh, I started the, the Delphi thing. So we, we talked about uh, Delphi in detail when mm-hmm. I had Nick on. Uh, it's a case I think really all three of us are kind of very much obsessed with and, and working on... Um, I would love to see it solved. We'd love to be a part of it, but it's hard to do. We talked about sometime... And I still think we should do this. Sometime this summer that we need to go... We're all close enough... To go there, I just like to walk the scene and, yeah, and check so it out. It's still we can still do that, yeah. Yeah, and I won't go on the bridge though. Right, Nick's afraid of the bridge. You're gonna go. Yeah. You'll go around around yeah. the bridge. Captain, I'll go you around go on the bridge the, with me. I'll go under the bridge. Uh, no, because I think they're tearing down the bridge. Well, that's they're, we go before the, we got to get. Yeah, I think they already started. Well, I could how, be wrong. How tower down is it? How far can you jump? Well. Well, I don't. I don't want to find out. You know? <laughs> I don't want to find out how far I can't jump. We're definitely not going to be drinking bush before we jump, <laughs> right? No, but no. But what's really cool is, and I think this is correct. Uh, they have Abby and Libby. They have a bunch of merchandise that they're selling uh-huh. today. So if you see that, pick something up and support the case, and um, and let them know that we we all care. The community cares and. Very so, much so. Kelsey, Kelsey German, uh, Libby's sister, is here today. Um, I'm actually going to be, and that was part of our, uh, our our discussion. Is we thought about, well, let's talk about that because we're both really obsessed with the case. But it's mm-hmm. kind of at a point where, like, we just so badly want to help and be a part of trying to find some justice here. But uh, at the same time, we're at a point where really law enforcement needs to do their thing, mm-hmm. and um, it, it just so happens that I'm going to be sitting later on today in a in an ethics and true crime reporting panel with Kelsey, mm-hmm. um, and it occurred to me that any discussion that we have here today uh, about the case could really set up a scenario where Kelsey and that panel may may say something along the lines of, well, I just don't like it when people do what you did right. one hour ago. Right. But it, so we, we're not going to do that. But it's difficult, too, because uh, when they came out uh, with this possible new suspect, this uh, Chadwell guy. Yeah. The amount of emails and the amount of direct messages we got on social media, it got to the point where it's like we felt like we had an obligation to our listeners to discuss this guy as a possible suspect. And both, I think, you know, I think I can speak for Nick to say we both gut feeling was saying that we don't think this guy was involved, uh-huh. but we feel like we have to give the information to our audience. Sure. Um, and then. But so it's it's difficult because it's like we you do have a responsibility to, to your audience, you know. Hello. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the FBI. They're coming to get us. Okay. Well, that's our show today, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I want I want to ask you, and I'll, I'll I'll throw it at Nick. Is you know, it, it brings up a good point and something you know, kind of all all joking aside, what we do through any form of true crime podcasting and reporting does come with a lot of ethical dilemmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like every time you guys are talking about a case, do you guys or do you guys feel that same uh, that same kind of ethical dilemma about should we talk about this, how should we talk about it, and how do you handle it when you're deciding on a case? Yes, because I, and I think we were lucky on that front because very early on, we had some family members of victims contact us. Uh-huh. So it wasn't very far into it that we were fully aware that there's, one, there's actually people listening, and there's people that these cases are meaningful to them. You know, these just aren't some story out of a comic book. These are real-life people. Right. And horrible events that have happened in their life. And, um, you know, it, but, but at the same time, some of the best 
and most wonderful communication we have had since we started doing this is with those family members of, okay. of victims. And um, it's, there's nothing better than when somebody says, thank you. Right. You know, because as soon as you open it up and you see the last name, mm-hmm. you go, oh, you, I get nervous because I'm like, sure. okay, what dumb thing did I say? All right. The captain certainly said. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was the captain that said one it, or right? two things. Yeah, and so <laughs> immediately I get nervous because, I mean, we try to put our hearts in it, into it as much as we can, and um, and but when you when you get a thank you from somebody, because the thing is with with a lot of these cases, and I'll reference like uh, Tony Muncy was a case that we covered mm. a long time ago, and we only covered it just because it seemed like to be this story about this teenager who got snuffed out one day uh-huh. and then then it went away like it, he he was from columbus we're from columbus and it was a case we had never heard of mm-hmm. and you would think that that would be just something that would be known an unsolved child homicide in your city and you don't know this guy's name right you don't know anything about it and it's like it happened one day and then he was gone and then we saw this and we're like we got to learn more about tony learn more about his family, learn more about the case, and present it to the world because it's not fair that his story just seems to be fading away, that nobody knows who this guy was, that, that uh, something terrible happened to him through no fault of his own, and now it's like he, he never existed. Yeah, and if you go to like a Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you search a case like Brian Schaefer's one that we've covered a lot, maybe 100 people have talked about that case, but type in Joey LeBute, maybe one, one podcast covered that. Uh-huh. And can you imagine what that family feels? So it's great to have a, a, a true crime community that has looked at you know, the Delphi case and has wrapped that up and, and put out all this information. But for every one of those that has been talked about a million times, there's a million other cases that no podcast has discussed yet. And deserves attention, and and they deserve answers as just as much as and, and Joey's else. case is still unsolved. Right? Yeah. So how do you, I think you just did, but how do you answer the one of the the comments you see in the questions we see a lot of times from people, especially the you know I'm seeing it a little bit with True Crime Binge now because Truth and Justice is long form, right. but True Crime Binge is short form. Like you guys, we discuss a different case every week, uh, and the questions I get is like, how is this not sensationalism? How are you not just uh, exploiting this to tell a story to, like like how do, how do you answer that and I, again I think you kind of just did but to, to put a pin on it well I mean in all fairness I mean technically I guess we are in some form I mean so I, I somebody comes at me with that I don't I don't really have any answer I'm not going to justify what it is that we're doing if you have a problem with what we're doing don't you know what I, but I think you just did like you don't have you to be a part of it there's so many of these cases I think it is important and it's valuable and I think that's crime con is valuable. But see, this. when I look out here, I don't see anybody that's here for the sensationalism. I see people that are here because they effing care. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're exactly right. Like, is there some sensationalism? Sure. And is there some entertainment value? Sure. But like you said, one thing that like crime con does, and you guys do, and all of the the podcasters that are out there on podcast road do right now. I don't know. I know a lot of true crime podcasters. I don't know anybody that's just like, I just want to tell some fun stories and make money. Right. They're doing, uh, they're, they're bringing these cases into the public eye. And so many cases have been solved by one way or another because of true crime podcasts, just by getting people talking about it again. Those unknown victims, the, the, the cases that people have never heard of, yeah. where law enforcement are, are just tapped out and can't find a, right. find a new avenue of investigation. And sometimes just you... Uh, telling the story on True Crime Binge very articulately, Nick, and then Nick, and then uh, the captain, you know, calling the perp a douche canoe, yeah, yeah. Um, gets people talking again, and sometimes it opens up new doors and new avenues of investigation. Sometimes get- I call him a douche burger. To be fair, you know? okay. <laughs> do you have douche burger a- shirts? I've only it's seen a douche canoe. It's not always a canoe. So you know? sometimes douche burger, douche canoe. Um, but but really, I think that by doing this, and sometimes when we talk about these cases, it opens up. A, a larger conversation about mm-hmm. something bigger. For example, the case that we we had decided, what do we got? We got 16 minutes, so l- let's do this for a little bit. The case we decided to talk about today is the Bell Tower shooter, which occurred here in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, it was August 1st, this is back in 1966. Uh, a guy named Charles Whitman 
gets up on the, the here in Austin at the the top floor of the main main tower and observation deck it was with like a, bunch a bell of, tower. Or yeah, but with a bunch of rifles and just yeah. starts and just starts shooting people and he, and he and he ended up killing fifteen people and injured thirty one other people before uh, a police officer and a civilian finally caught him and ended up ended up killing him. Didn't uh, they actually get to the top of the tower? I don't know. I did. So, I was hoping since you guys are the experts that you yeah, knew so, that. Yeah, so I mean, one one little interesting part that that kind of reads almost like an action film is law enforcement trying to make their way to the top of the tower to take this dude out. Because right. from below, they 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 don't stand a chance. They're, right. They can't stop him. And later they'll learn that before he climbed the tower, before Chuck Whitman climbed the tower, he stabbed his wife and mother Right. To death in their inside of their homes, right, and then marched his way over to the tower and, and started shooting these people, and it's it's a it's a strange case, but it's you know unfortunately we have school shootings, mm-hmm. uh, and it's or it, mass shootings almost every weekend. Yeah, and right. It's really, you know, one thing too is that we 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 always hear. Uh, People say, "Oh, you know, the times today are so crazy. the The world we live in today, and and but, you know, the Whitman case is one that you look at and you go, this same crazy stuff that that, that scares us all to death has been happening right. forever. Yeah, it really has. And and also back when back in the day when it was reported, it would take a it would have to be such a s- sensational case to get national attention. Sure." Where everything was just regional, so mm-hmm. if you weren't from that area, you never heard heard about Whitman, you know, for example. Right, and what a lot of people don't know, and the, and this is the, where we get into these broader conversations about the mass shootings and the different things, but also uh, conversations about um, mental illness and gun control and mm-hmm. and even some medical issues. So what a lot of people don't realize is, upon the autopsy, it was discovered that Charles he was a he was a Marine veteran, I believe. Yeah. No. Um, Went through a rough time. He he had a Navy scholarship to um, the University of Texas here and kind of flunked out, had a gambling problem a few years before this. Um, But then he met his wife there Mm -hmm. uh, at at the campus when he was in school. But then, yeah, he stabs his mother to death. He stabs his wife to death, and he goes up and commits this crime. Upon the autopsy, it's discovered that he has a brain tumor Mm -hmm. and was was pressing on his brain. And it just, for me, I have some personal experience with someone who had a very similar hypo, a tumor in his brain. Go Um, ahead, try to say it. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I had it until the bush beard. Uh, it's amazing what we can say when the microphone's not on, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. I said it to myself four times in my room before I came down here. Yeah. Um, I make up words weekly. Right. Yeah, he also likes to make up towns. Yeah. Whole towns. Yeah, it's like every... Normally, I don't even catch it. And then somebody will be like, you know, you said that town wrong like 10 times. I'm like, I didn't say it wrong. I let him say it wrong 10 times. (laughs) And of course, neither of you corrected the other one at all through the... No, never. Yeah, And also, keep in mind, most of the time, these podcasts are not live. They're they're, like, they they could very easily correct that with one another and then edit it out later. We could. (laughs) But I want to be as interesting... No, but it's but also, we'd have to catch it too. Like, yeah, sometimes to, we don't even catch it. Right. Yeah, sometimes he reads it. And I'm like, that, that sounds right. You know, I get worked up though when we're doing the show. Like I, I've thought about. I'm like, somebody maybe we should put a camera on this at some point because I. Oh, he's I'm, doing like this all the time. You think I'm like directing planes in the? <laughs> but we sit with a window between us, so there's a window, but I can't see him because I have my computer right there. And all I can see is it's just hands, arms. arms so it's like my flailing. computer's dancing the whole time. <laughs> no, but but here's the other problem too is like, and I don't know if you guys feel this way, but every mass shooting, every like, look at the Chris Watts case, look at Delphi, and we they're all connected to mental health, and everybody in the media says we need to talk more about mental health, and then we just don't, right? And and or, we ha- or we talk about it. But, we don't, but don't, do don't do anything about it. Right. Right. Yeah. We sit there and say, well, this guy had this issue or they were doing this or this guy was on this medication. And that, that's one of my big arguments with being somebody that has been uh, mixed, uh, misdiagnosed, uh, put on medicine, being arrested by cops. I was arrested three times in one year. I, I, what? I fought police officers. 
never that never happened until they misdiagnosed me until they put me on wrong medicine and if i would have kept going i mean i could have been one of those guys that three years later ends up committing a horrible crime and and, and then my parents sitting there going well he wasn't like this three years ago until they put him on you know this is that something you're comfortable time. talking about because that's a story that i didn't know yeah i mean it's because we should talk about it okay because <laughs> because the answer isn't as simple as I shouldn't have been able to go into a doctor's office and say, I don't feel good. And then he puts me on an antipsychotic, uh-huh. an antipsychotic. And then like literally, like if I had a drop of alcohol, it was like cocaine. I, like I couldn't get enough. Mm-hmm. Well, a guy that's on, uh, you know, antipsychotics shouldn't be drinking 20, 30 shots. You know, I mean, right. most no one really should. But also, the doctor, the doctor shouldn't be playing the wheel of prescription drugs, <laughs> right, you know, because right. that's what it yeah. feels like sometimes. Where it's like, hey, this is what's going on with me, and it's kind of like, all right, you landed on Let's this try one. This one. Try this for a few days, see what happens. Yeah, and I was smart enough to, you know, see a therapist. Uh, I mean, we we first went to, um, uh, I think it's called Net Care, and um, that's where I went, and they said, well, go see your family doctor and right when I saw him that's when it all went you know because like I said all I said was I'm not feeling good I don't know what to do about it antipsychotic what did they diagnose you with well he was treating me for bipolar Uh It, it, it takes years for a psychiatrist to Diagnose you with bipolar. Right. You shouldn't start treating them right away. Start throwing meds at you. This guy figured it out in 30 (laughs) seconds. No, and my therapist, right when I walk in, you know, meet the guy for the first time, I started seeing the therapist like two days after I take the pills, and he goes, well, what do they prescribe you? And I go, well, I got this uh, antipsychotic. And he was like, you should not be on this. He's like, but how do you feel? And I'm like, well, I feel okay, because it's been three days of me taking this pill. And he's like, well, let's just monitor it, Uh you know? Well, then because of these pills, you're acting a certain way and, and stop going to therapy. So now your therapist doesn't know right. you're off out of your mind. And next thing you know, you're sitting in front of a judge because you fought police officers. You know, it's like, how the hell did that happen? I was right. raised by a detective. I'm, I, I never really got in trouble. You mm-hmm. know, I was a good student um, and, and I felt great. Like, and that's the perfect example is when you go to the doctor and you say, I'm not feeling good, he's not supposed to make you feel like Superman. Right. You know, so like by like. You never really felt that great before. Yeah, but like by the fifth day, (laughs) I'm like, God, if this is how every normal person feels, life is amazing. Right, 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 yeah. And uh, it was just bad shit started happening, you know. So how, how how did you find your way out of that? I just, well, and here's the other problem, is our system is not set up. I was a broke musician, so luckily I was a broke musician because once my insurance ran out, the pills were hundreds of dollars and that I couldn't afford. So let's say the pills worked for two years. I wouldn't have been able to take them because I wouldn't have been able to afford them. But because the pills weren't working... Uh, it was a good thing that I couldn't afford the pills. Got lucky. Because I couldn't get them. Yeah. But then I found out later that, you know, some people die from not taking. Right. You know, and I just stopped because I was like, I can't afford uh, to take the pills anymore. And so the misdiagnosis, which basically what you found out was that once you weren't taking the pills anymore, that you weren't bipolar. You were just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I was, finally, he's been properly diagnosed. Right, yeah. No, I, I, Dr. No, I was just. Uh, <laughs> Could I have another beer? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I was, we got seven this. minutes left. You, we can drink these can in seven I have minutes. You're making me sad, <laughs> Captain. I just want to know, for the record, that he called a, de- a depressed man an asshole. I just want, for the record. <laughs> I hope you're filming this. So you thought the worst thing on this podcast was going to be the bush in my mouth joke, <laughs> and you were wrong. <laughs> No, but it's it's really I tough. I forgot Caleb you back know. there told us to keep it clean. Oh. <laughs> well, fuck that. <laughs> no, but it's like, it, it's really tough, too, when your whole life you're a happy kid. Right. You're a happy person. And then one day you're like, you can't get motivated and you can't just get going. 
and and then what do you do? And then, like I said, the doctor was just like, "Yeah, take this. This will be awesome." And um, and it, and it sucked. It's so did you end up like getting another diagnosis in, in different meds or? No, I literally just quit taking meds. Just quit taking just quit taking meds. And yeah, I mean, it, out. like I'm sure that there's different medications that work, but one of the things that got me was that there's this famous author named David Foster Wallace, and right when I. Oh, there you go. One person. That's David Foster Wallace right back there. That's his yeah, wife. That's his, <laughs> well, if you knew anything about mother. literature, asshole, he hung himself. First of all, if you think you're going to convince me, you read a book. I did. In front of all these people. Not his book, but, <laughs> but I, did, I did read Cat in the Hat one time. No, but so the funny thing was I get off these pills and this movie came out and it was about David Foster Wallace. And he, um, so he, I'm going to get choked up, but he, so he, he was a, zoom go in. for it. If you're filming, zoom I'm, in. No, I'm, but he was a, he was a Barbara author. Walters, I made people cry all the time. That's, the <laughs> right. that's your, that's Bob's thing. Yeah. He called me an asshole Cuts too ready. many times, Bob. <laughs> but he was an author and he was uh, diagnosed and then they, they decided to take him off the pills. Uh-huh. Because the pills that he were taking, uh, that he was taking, was a old form, a, a old subscription, and they're like, "Let let's put you on new pills." Well, those pills weren't working, so the old pills would just give him a stomach ache every now and then, like a real bad stomach ache. And they're like, "Well, let's put you on new pills. You've been on these pills for five years." It got so bad that he called his family to say, "Hey, look, I'm not doing well." Can you come visit me and help me get through this? And so the whole family, his wife, his mom. Everybody's trying to help this guy get through this. And one day he had his mom go for a walk with his dogs and he hung himself. And, and that's what really, I went, okay, I'm not on this medication, but I don't feel like I want to kill myself. And this guy, they played Russian roulette with the medication and look what happened to him. Mm -hmm. And he's very similar, like same build, same... Like, we look similar. Uh, Jason Siegel played him in the movie. I wish they would have picked a better-looking actor. But <laughs> Well, and, and I think when you have that kind of experience, you know, it's, it's scary stuff. Right. And so you're not like, okay, well, I'm going to try that again, right? You're, you mm -hmm. don't go back to the same guy and go, all right, well, let's give it a second go, buddy. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, sitting here listening to this, having had a very a similar experience with a close friend of mine that, that had a doctor that played the... Russian roulette yeah. with medication and yeah. ended up completing a suicide. And, and we've known later. several people that have experienced yeah. things like that. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, yeah, but they, know, but, but they don't start The answer with the is BetterHelp. If you go to betterhelp.com <laughs> slash binge, you'll get 10% off right. your and first you, month. Well, and you can just and talk to them on the phone. You don't have to drive anywhere. It's right. convenient. Yeah. It's very convenient. Yeah, you don't have to drive anywhere. Financial aid is available. And what's great is you can... Uh, you can talk to them while you eat HelloFresh. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Uh, HelloFresh. You know, you wake up, you wake TCG up in the morning. TCG 10, 10 for 10% you off. off. You get off your, you get, you get off your Casper mattress. Get off yeah. your Casper you mattress. stretch out. Have a bowl of Magic Spoon, you know. That and maybe a Bush beer. And I like to drink a nice Cabernet from First Leaf while I'm preparing yeah. my HelloFresh. Right. If you feel a little anxiety, pop a little Lord Abbott uh, CBD. Yeah. Some you know? CBD oil yeah, is always good. good. Uh, binge for ten percent off. <laughs> Everything's fine. That's fine. This is fine. Yeah, and if you need some treats for your dog, try Nom Nom. Yeah, or Ollie. You can go to Ollie slash Truth and get a ten percent off. Nom Nom's of that. better. Uh -huh. Yeah, Nom Nom's better because they pay us. <laughs> yeah. I like the joke. You know, uh, Coke Pepsi. I can't tell tell the difference, but Coke paid me last, so Coke is better. Right. You know? Yeah, I don't know what uh, I don't know where your guys' cats poop, but mine goes uh, pooping <laughs> pretty litter. Uh, changes color. Code binge. Oh, that's hilarious. We'd love to get Coca Cola on the show, by the way. Yeah, Coca Cola. Just throwing would be that nice. out there. Yeah, get, to get Coke on, as a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. we'd rather have Bush. <laughs> Fuck Coke. I haven't drank a pop in pop soda. What part of the country are you guys from? <laughs> or, or is it just Coke, you Georgia people? Well, I'm just glad I just we have it. I used to live near the Columbus plant. <laughs> yeah, What's that? So I used to live near the Columbus plant for Anheuser, Anheuser Busch. Yeah. Nice. You're glad I brought up what, Captain? I'm just glad it took the last two minutes for you to bring up that you're from Michigan. Yeah. What? It yeah. 
No, when, when's the last time you beat us in football? Uh, oh, you know what? That's a low blow, but it, you, what you don't know is that uh, I live in Michigan. You're a state guy, right? No, I live in Michigan right here. Right. Oh. You guys know, right? The thing yeah. with the hand. And uh, right here is South Bend, Indiana. Wow. So I'm a Notre Dame guy, fighting Irish. Go Irish! <laughs> Even worse. Nobody? Come on. So How do we have a... Uh, somebody clap for that book, he said. And no, not a single Irish fan out here? I have a fond... <laughs> I have a fond... I have a fond Notre Dame story, right? Okay. So, uh, when, I, when I was a kid... Is it a 51-second story? Yes, I can All bang right. it out in 45 seconds. Okay. <laughs> when I was a child, I bought my father a Notre Dame football calendar for Christmas. Uh-huh. He opened it up and he said, why the hell did you get me this? I can't stand... Notre Dame football. I said, because you watch them every week. He goes, they're the only team on. <laughs> I thought he was a fan. Yeah. <laughs> and see, that, again, we were talking about how things from back then still resonate now. Yeah. Um, so that's the same thing with all the people that listen to our podcast, only to then go on social media and talk about how much they hate our podcast. Yeah. And I will end the show by saying once again to all you people that do that, thanks for the downloads. This is Nick and the captain. The podcast is True Crime Garage. Thank you all and enjoy your crime con. True Crime Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing. Music and artwork by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is TrueCrimeBinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. And make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. Thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge.